Welcome back to the Whip Around, our latest weekly women's basketball show on Swish Appeal, hosted by myself, Sabrina Merchant. Appreciate your patience in getting today's episode up with the holiday weekend. I didn't want to make my guests record on July 4th, but rest assured next week and all subsequent weeks, your episodes will be dropping at the crack of dawn on Tuesday morning. It's been a big week for retired Minnesota Lynx legends. Rebecca Brunson got her jersey hung up in the rafters of the Target Center on Sunday as the Lynx also delivered one of the most shocking wins of the WNBA season, absolutely crushing the Las Vegas Aces, who will be the subject of the latter part of this podcast. Maya Moore, I guess technically not retired, though described as a former WNBA player by Robin Roberts this morning, also announced that she had a baby boy with her husband, Jonathan Irons. Big Maya Moore fans on this podcast, despite the introduction. (laughs) Happy to hear that things are going well for her. Also a big week for the Atlanta Dream, who had a fascinating overtime win over the New York Liberty, welcomed back Tiffany Hayes for the first time this season. The Dream have struggled quite a bit offensively this year, despite the fact that Tanisha Wright has that team defending like nobody's business. So it is nice to see them have a real-life guard-scoring threat available in Tiffany Hayes. It's going to make the bottom of that playoff race a lot more interesting. And if the Dream have any say about it, they might even get into the top of that playoff race because they are only one loss behind the Washington Mystics for the fifth spot in the standings. Tied with the Dream in sixth place is the Los Angeles Sparks, who look like a competent playoff team under the stewardship of interim head coach Fred Williams. Fred, long known as the Liz Cambage Whisperer, is living up to his name. Cambage is playing the best ball of her season as the Sparks are on a three-game win streak. The frontcourt combination of Liz and Neka Ogumake has been a lot of fun, as both of them are willing passers and scorers. Neka Ogumake belongs in MVP discussions this year, or at the very least, all WNBA discussions. And it's nice to see one of the league's older franchises finally experience some success after a bit of a rough patch at the end of the Derek Fisher era. Sparks' last win came against the Phoenix Mercury on Monday, although that game was noticeably overshadowed by the release of a letter that Brittany Griner wrote to the Biden administration advocating for her release, along with that of the other detainees in Russia. Her trial began last Friday, and as many legal experts had suggested, it does not appear that the legal process will be the way that Brittany Griner earns her release from her detainment. It's going to have to take some action on behalf of the United States government. As of Tuesday, July 5th, that has been 138 days that Brittany Griner has been wrongfully detained in Russia. It was just an overwhelmingly heavy atmosphere seeing the Phoenix Mercury on Independence Day playing a game without Brittany Griner available, knowing what she is going through, and then reading her words about her terror that she will be in Russia forever and the newfound appreciation she has for her freedom on a day that she should have been celebrating it in the United States. Today's team of interest on the whip around is the Las Vegas Aces. The Aces started the season off like gangbusters, winning nine of their first 10 games, setting all kinds of records under new head coach Becky Hammond and clinching the Western Conference berth and the Commissioner's Cup final before most teams even realized the Commissioner's Cup was actually still happening this year. 
the Aces have taken a little turn for the worse over the last six games, going two and four over this most recent stretch. And as mentioned before, getting absolutely clobbered by the Lynx on Sunday on Rebecca Brunson's Jersey Retirement Day. I still have very high hopes for the Aces, given the talent of that starting five, the capability of head coach Becky Hammond, and the overwhelming star that is Asia Wilson, who can just get a bucket whenever she wants. She would be my leading candidate for MVP if the season were to end today. But the Aces do find themselves in second place in the WNBA standings behind the Chicago Sky. They lost to the Sky after holding a 28-point lead against them at home a couple weeks back. You can listen to my episode with Annie Costable for more on that game. So not all has been right in Las Vegas, despite a great start to the season. And I wanted to get into some of the deeper issues that may be plaguing the Aces, even though they still figure to be a substantial part of the championship conversation. So I brought on Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He's been covering the team ever since they moved to Las Vegas in 2018, and he gave some really good insight on how the team has changed in the Becky Hammond era, how deeply we should be concerned about the team given their recent stretch, and then also looking ahead to what sorts of matchups should concern the Aces moving forward. All right, I'm joined by Sam Gordon of the Las Vegas Review-Journal to talk about the Las Vegas Aces, uh, the team that I thought was the heavy favorite to win the WNBA title coming into the season. Sam, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, Sabrina. Appreciate you having me. It's an honor and privilege to be on the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just perpetually fascinated by the Aces because that top-end talent is unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, it's, it's so very good, that starting lineup, and yet... You know, championships are not exactly one with five players. They're one with uh, a bit more than that. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of wanted to start big picture with Vegas. Uh, you've been around the team for a little while. Uh, obviously, big change this year going from Bill Lambier to Becky Hammond. I'm curious if you've noticed any, like, I don't know, vibe shifts or just the way they operate, anything that stands out in terms of, you know, difference between 21 and 22. Yeah, I think for the most part, right, Bill Lambier was a former player, Becky Hammond, a former player. I think from a managerial standpoint, everything beyond the X's and O's, there are some similarities. There is some overlap in just kind of the way they run, you know, day to day. It's all about the players, right? The play, This WNBA is about the players. It's driven by the players. I think both Becky Hammond and Bill Lambier um, had a great understanding of that. I think where you're seeing some relaxation, though, um, with the Aces, of course, is in their play style, right? Bill Lambier, uh, very kind of rigid structurally in how he wanted to play. It was a... Uh, especially in the half court, it was a lot of post-ups, a lot of high-low stuff with two bigs, uh, very slow. Of course, he wanted to push in transition when those opportunities presented themselves, and I think Becky Hammond is allowing for that too. But from you know from a play standpoint in the half court, uh, they could not be more different. And I think because there's a little bit more offensive freedom for everybody, you know, one through five, I think that has relaxed things a little bit. I think there's, uh, I think, uh, a sense of more freedom um, in the way that they're able to play and the way they're able to operate. And, of course, that's reflected. Uh, you, you saw how explosive they are at times um, so far in this half of the season, how much fun they seem to be having. Yeah, definitely definitely different vibes, uh, but but some similarities as well, just in terms of the day-to-day, -day, you know, how the team is ran from an operational standpoint. Yeah, it definitely seems like the guards are benefiting a lot from that uh, freedom in the half court. Um, yeah. You know, I was talking to Liz Cambage the other day, and she was saying that Bill Lambier created a monster keeping Kelsey Plum on the bench all this time. Just, and, you know, the freedom that she has, not only to, like, run the offense, but all the space that they have, too. Like, I think Jackie Young is obviously a prime beneficiary of that because she's always been so good at getting to the basket. But, like, you know, when Carolyn Swords and Stokes and Liz and Asia are just all in the pain, it's a lot harder to get there than it is now. But 
It's definitely yeah. a more fun product to watch, I would say. <laughs> I would, yeah, no question about that. And this is where basketball is is going, right? It's it's about pace and space. It's about having as many players on the floor as you can that can do things with the ball that can create for other people. And of course, um, the shooting element ha- has changed everything. So now with Asia Wilson spacing out to the three-point line with Yerka Hamby in the starting lineup, you are like, you, to, to your point, you are seeing Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young having all kind of um, driving lanes, Jackie Young getting the green light from three, shooting the three ball exceptionally well. And you have so many different players now that are empowered to initiate and create offense. Just, I, I think a lot more read and react uh, in the half court. There's still the element to transition there, but, but to your point, there's more space for everybody to operate, uh, more opportunities for everybody to, you know, get buckets. And that's what everybody likes to do. So um, offensively, uh, as good as they have been early on, I think you're only going to see um, more and more improvement on that side of the ball as the season goes on. And they get used to playing small ball lineups, right? I mean, it's only been, you know, 18, what, 19, 20 games mm-hmm. uh, where they've been playing this style, big picture. So uh, I think the regular season is all about developing, you know, cohesion on both ends of the floor and figuring out where the best shots come from, especially in, in, in tight situations, um, because you know that's what's going to happen in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I guess speaking of the postseason, not to like get ahead of myself, but just to look back for a second. Uh, yeah. I am continuously flummoxed by what happened last year in the playoffs. I don't understand how they lost to the Phoenix Mercury, not to discredit Phoenix at all. Like that was a perfectly good team, really like incredible talent, you know, at their top three and just again, not trying to discount the Mercury. Yeah. I, I don't understand how they lost to Phoenix. And I, I wonder like, is, does Bill step down if they lose to Phoenix? Like, is he, was he just ready to go? Or was it something that ownership saw that like, okay, we need to make a change here. Or, I, I don't know. Just like, I've talked to the players about like their mindset coming into the season, you know, after what happened last year, but I still haven't gotten a good sense of, did we blow it? Like, did Phoenix beat us? Did we need to make dramatic changes? Like what what was the sense that you got from how last season ended? No. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, uh, devastating loss for the aces, right? That Mm -hmm. almost goes without saying I have not um, seen that level of emotion from, from, from professional athletes. I mean, it was, it was a, this was a team that was, to your point, Sabrina, that was supposed to win the championship, that believed mm-hmm. that they, they were going to win the championship. And that had a – went into the fourth quarter of a home playoff game, dare I say, the best atmosphere, home atmosphere in franchise history. I mean, there was 9,000-plus at Michelob Ultra Arena. It was, it was an unbelievable game and, and atmosphere. And then it was kind of goats doing goat things, right? And mm-hmm. you could almost feel it in real time, like, what do we do from the Aces standpoint where when Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner – just go nuclear in that in that fourth quarter. And their confidence is developing. They've been there and done that. And the Aces, um, quite frankly, haven't yet, right? They haven't, you know, experienced a championship yet and on a mm-hmm. championship caliber team. They have that pedigree. So um, it was just really kind of weird and, and, and feeling the air um, leave the building. You could definitely feel the crowd get tense and, and the players obviously got tight too. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, right, there was uh, a number of, possessions down the stretch there where the aces easily could have scored and just didn't like what's you know what's Bill Lambier supposed to do there that's not on him right the players still have to go out and execute but to your point um, I'm not sure if he steps down you know maybe he does he he came and, and visited uh, he was honored here at the beginning of the season um, just kind of a pregame ceremony for what he what he did and of course he, he built a championship contender here almost won a championship and I think his contributions should not be lost to this foundation that you know Becky Becky Hammond um, inherited and in talking to a small group of reporters he said look it was just it was just time um you know he was burnt out and, and that maybe that maybe that's the case but it's it's almost unprecedented to see a coach you know walk away from a, a championship and a potential to to, to 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 do it again um so I think yeah losing definitely very deflating I think that if if whether he was or wasn't ready 
Um, it certainly made it kind of a natural transition to go out and get Becky Hammond, a, a change of voice, a change of style of play. Um, and lo and behold, you, you see what they've done since. But yeah, that was that was the team I thought the Aces um, were built and constructed to win a championship, just kind of based on what we saw during the regular season, the versatility in lineups, the versatility in styles of play. And yeah, just um, goats doing goat things. And, and the Aces really didn't have an answer. Yeah, I was um, talking with my podcast partner last year after the, the Sun, you know, won our lost game four. And I'm thinking, well, this is the only team that could have beaten Las Vegas. Like, this is this is yeah. a wrap now, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we had, we had to uh, cut a lot of unused audio that we were previewing, you know, like an Ace of Sky playoff series. And yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe we'll get that this year. At the very least, it's going to be a Commissioner's Cup final, right? So that'll be a, a fun game, especially considering what happened the last time the Aces played the Sky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, and the Aces, it feels like there's a number of like, you know, with how good they've been, like a number of fun rivalries that they've mm -hmm. been a part of. Like you mentioned the last game there and the history with the Air Camp shot in 2019. You know, they potentially are supposed to meet in the finals. The Aces in Seattle have history, the Aces in Washington, the Aces in Connecticut. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the top contenders, there's a familiarity developing now. And I think definitely um, kind of some, some rivalries developing. And that makes certainly the, the game's fun here in, in Las Vegas for sure. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I, I want to get into the recent stretch, uh, but I also yeah. just want to talk about, you know, overall, like, like I mentioned, you know, we've got, we've got five great starters on the aces. Raquana Williams is back. Uh, Ileana repair is, is interesting. I've, I've been very intrigued by the minutes that she's played ever since she got over from France, but like, I am just so flummoxed by the fact that they bring four players off the bench. Three of them, I would call centers all due respect to Teresa Plaisant's shooting ability yeah. um, is, I don't know. Did they like strike out or something in free agency? Was this the team that they wanted to go into the season with? Uh, like, did they feel comfortable having this type of balance on their roster or did, did something go wrong? Like, I, I still don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, they were in the mix for, for Stephanie Dolson. Right. And if you think about the way stylistically the aces play offense and defense, she would have been the perfect stretch big who can knock down threes, but can also absorb minutes guarding you know, bigger players. And mm -hmm. now that responsibility falls on Asia Wilson for the most part. They, she obviously goes to New York. And to your point, Sabrina, this is a team that loses Liz Cambage and, you know, say whatever about the fit. I don't think it was perfect by any means, but it was good enough to win a championship. Certainly, I think you and I both believe that. Mm -hmm. They really just didn't find a replacement for her in the rotation. And now all those minutes she played kind of fall upon um, the starters, I, I think that when this team is at its is functioning at its best, you see what that that looks like. But they're really only one style of basketball that they can play or that they trust playing when the going really gets tough. And that is, of course, with the starting lineup. You take a look at some of the, the minute distributions. They're starting five: Chelsea Gray, Dierka Hamby, Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, Jackie Young. 377 minutes together so far. The, the next combination, uh, the next highest combination is 42 minutes. So this is a team that I know. I, I don't think you wanted to just be dependent on one lineup overall, but after the Stephanie Dolson domino follows, you kind of look around Canvas free agency, um, Canvas the trade market, what what other upgrades could they have really made? I'm not I'm not sure. And that's that's where things get dicey, but she would have been a perfect player, being able to stretch the floor, being able to guard bigs. You can still downsize and play Asia at the five quite a bit and do mm -hmm. a lot of the things that they're doing now. It just gives you more flexibility to present different looks than I guess what the Aces can present right now. Yeah, I think we've seen Steph it's perfectly well into a system that likes to play with pace in New York, you know, and yep. even Chicago could push the pace with her there. She just is really good at operating in like little small pockets of space. I, I wrote about her last week on the site. So I'm, I'm a big mom stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, she does yeah. a lot of really great things. She's really good. Yeah. She's, she's very good. Um, yeah. That, that start to the season kind of, uh, kind of scared me about Dolson, but it, it's getting back. Um, but this is not a New York Liberty podcast. We can talk about Steph Dolson later. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, 
you know, playing the starting five together a lot made sense for a new system, you know, new coach, because you want to develop some measure of continuity and yep. for all the complaining about like the minutes that the Las Vegas starters are getting, I think, you know, you look at a team like Phoenix and their best players are getting a lot more minutes than, you know, some of Vegas's players are playing. And when you have somebody like Kelsey Plum, who calls herself the best conditioned athlete in the WNBA, and I think she's right. It's totally yeah. fine if you want to, you know, ride your starters. But I think the other thing you said about them having basically one style of play that they can lean onto is kind of the bigger problem, right? It's not that they only have five players who they trust. It's that they only have one way of attacking teams that is kind of starting to show, right? Like two and four in the last six. And I don't want to like sound the alarm bells or anything because this is still a team that I think is just as well equipped to win a title as any, although I'm kind of leaning towards Chicago as like my de facto favorite now, (laughs) but I guess what I wanted to ask is like, are, are you concerned about this recent blip or like, does it just seem like, okay, there's 36 games, like they're bound to lose them? I think um, a little concerned. And to your point, it's a long season too, right? Mm-hmm. I think you take a look at this stretch. They played some good teams. They played, I mean, Seattle championship contender, Washington championship contender, right? Um, Chicago championship contender, the meat and potatoes uh, of that stretch was against good teams that mm-hmm. have the personnel to do offensively to the aces what a lot of what the aces like to do offensively to other teams. And that's why they're also championship contenders. This team, I think big picture this year, when you take a look at their struggles, um, they struggle with teams that play five out that have multiple ball handlers that can initiate offense that force multiple rotations. Uh, and that have a lot of, yeah. And that have <laughs> a lot of shooting like that's Again, that's where the game is going. That's why the aces play that style that they're playing offensively because it's really hard to guard. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think those other teams have been doing it a little longer and have a little bit more depth. Um, so it allows, you know, it allows for them to take advantage uh, in that pocket, you know, that last six game stretch. Um, with that said, I, I do think um, even though the depth, there are questions about the depth, concerns about the depth, I think there's still enough, again, top end talent. This is an all starting lineup comprised essentially of, you know, five all-stars, a couple players that I believe are going to make all WNBA first team. And even amid the struggles, I still think Asia Wilson is the MVP front runner. When you have that lineup, you can throw out there. Uh, you can do, you can, clearly win the WNBA championship. Uh, but yeah, they've, you take a look at just kind of the season as a whole, the other championship, a lot of their wins have been against teams that I don't think are going to, you know, contending for championships. And there, it's a lot, you know, a lot tougher again, against the, the better teams in the league, which is of course is natural, but that, those are the teams that they struggle with. And those teams again, have personnel um, that present the similar challenges that the aces present to other teams. So um, I'm not concerned big picture per se, but it's a reminder that look, other teams are good too. Other teams have great players, have superstar players, have systems and schemes that they trust, have great coaches, and the Aces aren't just going to walk with the title just because they got out to a red-hot start. I mean, that's what I think we're clearly seeing. They can still definitely win it, but it's not going to be no cakewalk like maybe it looked like earlier in the season. Yeah, I I wonder if part of it's fatigue, you know, just uh, sure. them, you know, riding this lineup a lot. And again, like, minutes are catching up to everyone. They the, the league gets like a small all-star break this week, I guess. It's like four days or something, but... The, the losses to like Washington, you know, and Chicago don't really phase me. I mean, blowing a 20 point, 28 point lead to Chicago is, is a little concerning, but in the grand scheme of things, like being able to build a 28 point lead is also kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the losses to Minnesota that I'm really yeah. focused on because like you said, you know, teams with multiple ball handlers who space you out and, you know, get the defense in rotation. Like I get that. And Minnesota does do some of that, right? Like Mariah Jefferson, you know, old, old friend of the Las Vegas aces yeah. having a really great season in Minnesota. Um, they've got shooting, I think one through four, but then they're also kind of, kind of traditional, you know, they've got Sylvia Fowles, a lot of things run through her and, you know, to call a spade a spade, like the, the links have not been great this year. No, <laughs> and, they, haven't been. Um, they have been playing a lot better recently, but 
even, you know, on a game where they're honoring Rebecca Bunsen and they're obviously going to have a little bit more motivation to, you know, honor this retired Minnesota Lynx legend with a win to get clubbed by 31 points is something that you just don't see from championship contenders, right? It's just not something that you're accustomed to. Like I'm, I'm at the sparks game on Sunday. I'm looking at the box score and I'm like, what in the world is happening in Minnesota? Like, I don't understand. So I, I guess like I kind of was operating under the, yeah, they're going to lose some games like two and three and five is no big deal. Uh, Chelsea Gray always shows up in the clutch, by the way, Chelsea Gray obviously should have been an all-star. That was stupid. A hundred percent, hundred percent. But the, the 31 points in Minnesota, I, I kind of want to go into that just a little bit. Like, sure. did they just write that off or does, did Becky Hammond see things in that game that give her a little bit more cause for worry? Well, I think just getting into the, the matchup against Minnesota, mm-hmm. it's again, one of the issues, if the aces do flame out in the postseason, it's size, right? Minnesota mm-hmm. has a lot of size and that's a team that uh, the aces have struggle with in the past too that's played Minnesota really tough just because of the size with with the aces um without Liz Cambage without a another rim protector you you don't you have it's six four and under I mean that's just kind of the reality of it you're smaller on the perimeter than most teams most nights and rebounding is really a group effort Asia and Dierk are going to anchor that of course but it takes all five you know boxing out doing the little things necessary while still wanting to invigorate your transition offense so I think from a stylistic standpoint that's one of the challenges that Minnesota presents this team but to me Sabrina, this looked like the first t- time all year where just kind of the effort waned and wasn't mm-hmm. there. And maybe it's, you know, it's a, it's a busy stretch. You're on the road. It's a long road trip and just kind of wanting to get back home. They had just played Minnesota a couple nights previous or right. uh, previous to that and, and, you know, won a close game. Maybe it was just, you know, one of those kind of things. But, yeah, that was the first time this year where they were really blown off the floor and, and did not look competitive. And, you know, you saw some of the bad habits, I, I think, come out, I think, you know, amid the great start, uh, sometimes when get, and this game wasn't close, by the way, I'm just talking about some it was not <laughs> using this, this game to, to kind of explore some of the, the bad habits. That I think when, when things go wrong, um, when, when things are going well for the aces, it's awesome, right? There's pace. Everybody's touching the ball. You have drive and kick and you're attacking closeouts and, and people are cutting. And when it's bad, it's really bad. You have, of course, a lot of players who are really good at initiating their own offense. And sometimes you just see a lot of, one pass, you know, shots or dribble up the floor, come up, come down, come off of a ball screen and launch something early in the shot clock. You saw a lot of that, I think, from the aces against Minnesota throughout the course of the game. And then when things get tight, you, you see them revert to that um, as well. So I think, you know, Becky Hammond came into this season understanding this is a championship caliber roster. This is a championship caliber team. And the number one thing, I think, when she talks to us and when she's talked to, you know, talked in general is, is wanting to build championship caliber habits. Even if we lose, it's doing the right things every single day and that's you know something she's preached i think to her team to the media and for the first time this year they didn't they didn't do that so we'll see how they respond um on wednesday in the finale before the all-star break i think um that's going to be telling i would imagine she wasn't too pleased uh with the effort or the performance and is going to want to see uh a really high-end performance on wednesday before the all-star break because you don't want to go into any kind of stoppage in play losing you know five out of seven or you know four out of six as it is so we'll see how they respond. I think that's this is going to be the first game where we see, where we see um, based on what we you know after based on the disaster the other night where we kind of see um, their resolve put to test. I think you know they responded pretty well from the Chicago loss. How are they going to respond now? We'll we'll find out. 
Yeah, we got another one of those uh, five out multiple ball handler teams because yeah. New York's coming to town, right? <laughs> yeah, they are. And they they look a lot better. They look pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Sabrina um, looks looks like the number one pick. She's been awesome. And just some of the things they've been doing stylistically, I might present the Aces challenges. So we'll see how they respond with this for sure. Yeah, one of my favorite things about this season has been watching like Jackie and Sabrina really validate that number one pick status. You know, when yeah. people doubted that for a little while, uh, they're just, oh my God, both of them are so freaking good. <laughs> And, you know, Bill Lambier legacy in Las Vegas uh, really, really lives on in Jackie Young. Before, before I let you go, Sam, um, we've talked a lot about, you know, the Aces, how they match up against certain different teams around the league. Uh, I'm curious, like going into, you know, potential postseason, obviously they're going to qualify for the postseason. Clearly yep. they don't want to play the Lynx because that's, you know, just a terrible. Match. <laughs> but um, who do you think uh, would be best case scenario for them as like, a, you know, within that top five, you have like yeah. Seattle, Washington, like who do you think is like the best matchup for them? And who do you think is the worst matchup for them? Oh, that is a tremendous question, Sabrina. I think first and foremost, I want to be clear. I think they, they obviously, I think they can win any of those matches, right? Again, mm-hmm. their, their top end talent is awesome. Uh, and when they play together, when it looks good, it looks really, really good. And it's hard to, hard to compete with. They're really good on both ends. Uh, but I think the teams that out of that group that present the biggest challenge, I think it's, you know, Washington, for sure. Just with Elena Deladon, who is still amazing, by the way. Just still amazing. Seeing her the other night, uh, I, I was at the Washington game that was here. Uh, that went into overtime, just how she picks her spots now and chooses when to really impose her will. She's awesome defensively. I think she guards Asia as well as anybody. And that's a team with championship pedigree, again, with multiple ball handers, with a 6'5 wing that can go inside out, that can do all these things and that, you know, know how to defend the aces. Uh, I think going back to the 2019 postseason, uh, when, the, when the Mystics won the title, I think when Elena plays in those matchups, it's five out of the last six have gone Washington's way. So I think naturally – that they're a tough challenge. Uh, and I think Connecticut too, just because they can do some of the small ball stuff, but they can also go big uh, and have bigger lineups that the aces right now, just as presently constructed, don't necessarily have favorable, favorable personnel um, to defend. So again, ACE is more than capable of winning both those matchups, but those teams I think in particular present different challenges than maybe a Seattle or, or a Chicago, where I think the aces against those teams um, have, have some, some different, more pronounced advantages. I think defensively, those teams, the aces uh, style of play, um, they can put a little, little bit more pressure on the, the defense of those two teams that they just can't against Washington and Connecticut. Yeah. For me, uh, Connecticut has always been like a thorn for the aces, right? Like, especially in yeah. recent years, I, they just yeah. have not been able to beat them. Yeah. This year's Connecticut team is a little different to me. I think the Jasmine Thomas and like Brian January, not being there, just that lack of perimeter defensive pressure, I think really changes things, especially with the aces. Like I, I just don't trust Natisha Heideman and Courtney Williams to guard Kelsey Blum and Jackie Young. Like, sure. Uh, so to me, Connecticut, I think is actually better, a better matchup for the aces this year, but I mean, they're all good. They're all really, really good. And, and I would just be delighted to get long playoff series among any of those five teams. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, I think that this, I mean, the, the talent in the league right now, seems like it's at an all time high. You have teams that have established continuity. Like I was you know, saying earlier, I think you have clear rivalries uh, and, and mm-hmm. that are developing and that always makes things more fun. And, and at this postseason, to me, um, just based on where we're at right through, you know, I guess the first half of the season and some change feels like it's wide open. Um, I, I'm, I Chicago, of course, to your point, they are the defending champions and they, their depth, um, is outstanding and just kind of their versatility and the flexibility. I think when you win a championship, you kind of have that, that cachet. They know that mm-hmm. they've been there and done that and they know how to execute um, in the big moments. I mean, Emma Mieseman has been awesome just with how she's been able to fit so seamlessly. So they look um, really, really good. But all these teams at the top, it, it feels like on the right night, any of them can beat any of the other ones. 
Uh, and that's what makes this year so fascinating to this point. And I think what makes the postseason so fascinating. Yeah. And just to add to that, I keep seeing these matchups between, you know, those top five teams and let's say like the bottom six, you know, the ones that are fighting for those last three playoff spots. And then those bottom six teams are also just scoring wins against them. Like the Liberty beat the sun or the Lynx beat yeah. races or the storm lose to the dream. Right. So there is, I don't know, more parity than I expected considering like how many really, really good teams we have. But at the same time, I still think it's going to come down to, yeah, I, I sound like a freaking Oracle for saying it's going to come down to one of five teams in a 12 team league. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to talk about Las Vegas. I'm like a, a West coast purist at heart. So I just hope, you know, that all West coast teams win titles all the time. So I'm, you know, very much hoping that another Pacific time team gets it done this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got three teams with a really good chance. Got some choices. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you, you definitely do, but no, Sabrina, I appreciate you having me. Um, it's been a really fun season to, to follow along with so far. And certainly here in Las Vegas with Becky Hammond being here and the, and the newness um, that that comes with. And of course the arena being, you know, open, everything being opened up full time last year uh, because of certain restrictions and precautions, mm-hmm. this, the atmosphere at the games wasn't the same until the postseason came around. And now, at least here in Las Vegas, you are getting an awesome atmosphere every night. There is a palpable enthusiasm about this team and what it's capable of accomplishing and a lot of optimism in Vegas that this is going to be um, the team to d- deliver uh, the city's first pro sports championship. So we'll, of course, see how it plays out, right? That's why they play the games, but it'll mm-hmm. be a lot of fun to follow the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, the best atmosphere we've had in L.A. the entire season has been when the Aces came to town and just the cheers for Asia Wilson. My goodness, she is she's a star just in every sense of the word. She's so fun. She's so yeah. good. And that personality, I mean, like, I, I just, I think she's a perfect candidate to be the face of this league. And I hope they lean into it as much as possible. Uh, oh, ab- absolutely. There's no question about it. Um, she checks all the boxes when you talk about, uh, obviously, her talent on the court speaks for itself, but mm-hmm. um, just so genuine, right? Just so comfortable with who she is, so genuine and, and understands, has understood from the most part since she came in WNBA team basketball. And that this is mm-hmm. about team and it's about everybody experiencing this together and that it's it's about we and not me and to see that maturity from from her at such a young age and her to continue to grow into that um has been a cool thing to follow and I think this team reflects her personality um in a lot of ways uh I mean it there's definitely a a lot of star power and, Mm -hmm. and and I think just the games you never know who's gonna show I mean Tom Brady was here you know last month so there is like a a a to your point about that being one of the most exciting games, there's an excitement with, 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 with the aces that I think the rest of the league is catching on to and the basketball public at large um, is catching on to. And it, it certainly makes covering the team here a lot of fun, knowing the interest that this team generates. Yeah. Well, let's see if they can, uh, you know, figure out a better end of the season than in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Thanks we'll so much, see. Sam. Yeah. Appreciate it, Sabrina. Thank you.